believe He lives this morning, say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand together if you would. Turn to page 221 with us. Page 221 this morning. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord. Let's sing all verses as we begin. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord. Great start this morning. Man, I love that song. Amen. What a blessing. It's encouraging. And my soul, I want to sing it again, but we better not. Amen. We got to keep going here. But sure glad uh, that you're here uh, this morning. We've got quite a few guests that have kind of stayed over and uh, from the wedding uh, yesterday. And, and sure thankful for uh, Isaac and, and uh, Sophie Needfelt and the marriage uh, going uh, well. As she was coming down the aisle, I was going, you turn around, turn around. But she went ahead and went, went, went through with it. Amen. Well, what a blessing. Sure glad you're here uh, this morning. It's so good to see a lot of folks that we have been praying for. It's good to see Brother Hugo and Miss Irma Alonzo uh, back there and, and Miss Jean Wiseman. And uh, good to have our missionaries home with us for the weekend, Jack and Lizzie Parker. And uh, my favorite father-in-law is here. And what a blessing. And mother-in-law. I'm going to ask our prodigal son, Brandon Armitage. Good to have him and Miss Mary here with us. Why don't you pray for us, brother, and open us this morning in a word of prayer. Lord, we 
Yes. Amen. Won't you be seated uh, this morning? Just had a few things I wanted to mention uh, by way of announcements. Of course, we're getting uh, into the month of March uh, next uh, week, and uh, do be much in prayer for the things that we have uh, coming up. Of course, next Sunday, Brother Ben Quinlan uh, pastors Bible Baptist Church there in Glenwood, Iowa, and no stranger to this church. He is going to be here preaching the morning. And the evening uh, services next Sunday, and do pray for us as we will be out of town. I'll be preaching uh, the 70th anniversary meeting for Bible Baptist Church there in Cassville, uh, Missouri. And sure thankful to be able to go back and, and to celebrate uh, that hallmark uh, with them. And uh, looking forward uh, to that. Ladies, don't forget about there's a ladies meeting in March, March the 12th, which is on a Tuesday uh, night and at 7 o'clock over in the Fellowship Hall. It is a potato bar. So make sure that you bring toppings for that and or a dessert. And, uh, and then, of course, there's uh, some other things. But the big thing is the uh, youth rally that's coming up March the 22nd. And that is on a Friday night. Be hosting Glory Bound from Heartland Baptist Bible College. As well as Brother Sam Davison is going to be our preacher for that. If you've never heard Brother Sam Davison preach, I'd encourage you to be here uh, for that. He will also be back uh, with us in, uh, on a Sunday uh, in December to preach uh, for us, but he's going to be here that Friday uh, preaching, and the Glory Bound is going to be staying over through the Sunday morning uh, services. And so with that being said, there's quite a few sign-up sheets out there uh, in the outer foyer for things like drinks and chips and, you know, stuff like that. And then we'll need help serving the Lord's chicken and things like, you know, Chick-fil-A, amen. That's, uh, anyways, and then also, ladies, don't forget about there's a ladies' retreat April the 19th and 20th. And that's at Riverside Baptist Church. And the reason I mention that is because, ladies, if you're interested in going, the sign-up uh, sign deadline for that is March the 10th. And so you have a couple of weeks uh, to pray about it and sign up. But that's out there in the outer uh, foyer as well. Okay, Brother Eric, come on in. Amen. I'll let you remain seated for this song. But let's turn to page number 83. Page number 83, this is my father's world. <clears throat> we'll sing all three verses together this morning. Page number 83. Sing it out with me on the first verse. This is my Father's world and to my listening ears all nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres. This is my Father's world. I of skies and seas his hands the wonders wrought this is my father's world the birds their carols raise the morning light the lily white declare their maker's praise this is my I hear him pass, he speaks to me everywhere. This is my father's world, oh let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems on. 
God is the ruler yet. This is my Father's world. The battle is not done. Jesus who died shall be satisfied, and earth and heaven be one. Amen. We know who wins in the end. Amen. And he is still the ruler overall today. Let's stand, turn to page 186. Page number 186 this morning. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. Let's sing it out on that first verse. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living. Whatever men may say, I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer, and just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You shake hands together this morning. Good to have each one here. So thankful for all of you that are visiting. We're glad you're here today.
page 186 if you need that page number. Let's sing that last verse out together. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian. Sing it out. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian. Lift up your voice and sing eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King. The hope of all who seek Him, the help of all who find. None other is so loving, so good and kind. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, He lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know. Amen. Great singing this morning, Brother Tim. Well, as the men come for the offering, I would like to read to you from Psalm 108, verse 3. It says, I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people, and I will sing praises unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great above the heavens, and thy truth reaches unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens, and thy glory above all the earth. Brother Gary Waters, would you pray for the offering this morning? Amen. You may be seated. He hideth my soul. What a great song. Let's stand one last time. Turn to page 286 with me. Page number 286. Saved by the blood. There is no other way to know you're on your way to heaven but through the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's sing it out. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Now ransomed from sin 
and a new work begun. Sing praise to the Father and praise to the Son. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Sing, sing. My sins are all pardoned. My guilt is all gone. Sing, sing. I am saved by the blood of the crucified one. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. The angels rejoicing because it was done. A child of the Father, join heir with the Son. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Sing, sing. My sins are all pardoned. My guilt is all gone. Sing, sing. By the blood of the crucified one, saved by the blood of the crucified one, the Father he spake, and his will it was done. Great price of my pardon, his own precious son, saved by the blood of the crucified one. My sins are all pardoned, my guilt is all gone. Saved, saved, I am saved by the blood of the crucified one. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. All hail to the Father, all hail to the Son, all hail to the Spirit, the great three in one, saved by the blood of the crucified one, saved, saved, my sins are all pardoned, my guilt is all gone, saved. The crucified one. Sing that chorus out. Sing, sing. My sins are all pardoned. My guilt is all gone. Sing, sing. I am saved by the blood of the crucified one. Somebody say amen this morning. Praise the Lord. If you know Christ as your Savior, that's the greatest thing you'll ever have. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Just before the message this morning, we're going to have a special from Miss Madison Stewart.
was acquainted with the splendor of heaven surrounded by the angels who worshipped him yet he longed to have someone he could give his love to so in his own image he created man one day man failed him in the garden fellowship was broken because of sin but from the beginning the father knew what he would do He'd send his own son to bring us back to him. He became acquainted with grief so I could be acquainted with grace. He suffered like no other did the Lamb of God. He knew He came unto his own, but was rejected. The Son of God had nowhere to lay his head. Brought before the mob to be condemned or set free. Yet they chose a criminal instead. He walked the lonely road to Golgotha. What shame and reproach my Savior bore. Oh, he could have walked away, but in love he took the cross. For I was the one that he was dying for. sweet the sound that 
sure help you right there. Amen. Man, I'm telling you, if you don't know the Lord as your Savior, today needs to be the day of salvation. You don't understand the grace of God and how much He loves you and wants you to be saved. I'm telling you, it's a blessing. Well, take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke in chapter number 4. Don't stand uh, just yet because we've got to remind you of some things. Of course, last week, last week I made a deal. This week I have bad news though, there is no deal in sight, amen. Uh, but uh, it, we, uh, we looked at the very first um, part of this and uh, I'm really thankful how the Lord just led because there's so much more to this and, and just amazing. But uh, we, we're kind of in, we're, we're in the Gospel of Luke and, and we know this, we've gotten into the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, He went to Nazareth, His home uh, town, and the prophet has no regard in his own home. And so the people of Nazareth reject him, but then in chapter number four, he leaves Nazareth and goes into the town of Capernaum, and it says this in verse number 32, that they were astonished uh, with him, and, and of course one of the big reasons for that is because he went into the synagogue, began preaching, a demon uh, begins to speak out because the devil always wants to interrupt the word of God being given. But we know this, Jesus cast out a demon just by giving his word. And, and, and here's what it says in verse number 36. It says this, And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? All right, because of his authority and power of, of the word of God. And so we saw that in the last message. But now we're going to get into verse number 38 here. And so if you're able to stand, I want to invite you to stand in honor of God's Word because now the Lord Jesus, He's going to go from the public ministry of the synagogue, now He's going to go to what I would say is the personal ministry of Simon. All right, Simon Peter. Look, look at verse number 38. And He arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her. So this is talking about Simon Peter. It's talking about his mother-in-law, so he was married. He is not the first pope. All right, so, so we understand that. And so notice in verse 39, and he stood over her and rebuked the fever. So again, he spoke, and it left her, and immediately she arose and ministered unto them. And when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with divers diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And the devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God. So listen, even the devils are acknowledging he is Jesus the Christ. And he rebuking them, suffered them not to speak. So that means this. He told them to shut up like he did the other one. Amen. Uh, and so for they knew that he was Christ. Then verse 42. And, it was day, and when it was day, he departed and went into a desert place. And the people besought him and came unto him, stayed him, that he should not depart from them. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, and therefore am I, for therefore am I sent and he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. Now, now wait, now wait. Just look down at verse number five. 
Because what I want you to catch here is this, is that as Peter, as Jesus went into Peter's house and healed his mother-in-law, he's going to go out and minister to the, the multitudes. And then in verse number one of chapter five, and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake, Gennesaret, lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was, look at that right there, Simon's. And prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. So he's preaching right out of the bass boat. Amen. I got Brother Matt. Amen. We're, we're, we're right here. Look, look at what happens. Look at verse 4. So watch the focus of Luke's gospel. Now when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, still the same guy, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. All right, I know it looks like drought, but it says draft. And Alexander Scursby, he clears that up for me. Draft, that's how you pronounce it. And Simon answering, look at verse 5, I loved it. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night. And have taken nothing, all right? Nevertheless, at thy word. Did you catch that? I'm just telling you, what a word is this? At thy word, I will let down thy net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break, and they beckoned unto their partners, which which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ship, and so that, so that they began to sink. And in verse number 8, and Simon Peter saw it, he won the Bassmasters tournament in one cast. <laughs> Look at this, as Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' Jesus's knees saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished. He's astonished now. Did you catch that? He's astonished. And all that were with him at the draft of fishes which they had taken, and so also was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ship to land, they forsook all and followed Him. You know, what Jesus is going to do here is this. Is He's showing that He came to do more than just entertain the crowds with His power. He came that we might not only have life, eternal life, but that we might have life more abundantly. And really, Peter shows us that that abundant life it's not found by being just one of the crowd. It's found by becoming His disciple and following Him. Paul calls it the living sacrifice in Romans 12. Jesus would say later in Luke chapter 9 that if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. But, if whoso, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, the shame shall save it. Call it die to self, a living sacrifice, losing your life, whatever you want to call it. But the point is this, 
Jesus Christ came so that we might not only have eternal life, but a new life in Him. And it's called discipleship. And what a life it is. But I believe what Peter shows us in this scene is this, how we get to that place spiritually where we submit ourselves to following Him wholly and we partake of that. This is my question to you this morning. Are you a disciple or just one of the crowd? Because I'm telling you, you're missing out on so much more. Father, would you bless the preaching now in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you be seated this morning? Sure appreciate you standing in honor of God's Word. We, uh, we went to uh, uh, Italy last, uh, this past uh, se- September, and we actually stayed in the city of Rome on, on two different occasions. We came in, when we first came in, we flew, we flew into Rome, and so we stayed for a couple of days, and then we got on a uh, Mediterranean cruise and went around uh, in different places, and then we came back. And, and so we came back to Rome and we stayed uh, another, uh, on another occasion. And the second time that we stayed, we stayed in what, what is really what I would call a suburb of Rome. It's, it's an area, a little township called uh, Frascati. It's, it's kind of like what Olathe would be to, to Kansas City. It's out, outside the city. And it was just, it was incredible. We had a, we had a great time there. It's probably, probably my favorite uh, place there that we uh, stayed there in Rome, and the food was just phenomenal. We actually stayed in a uh, in a hotel that had a restaurant in the bottom of it, and so we we uh, had. I mean, the room was just incredible. It was you know it wasn't anything fancy, but the great the cool thing was you opened up these doors and you walked out on this terrace outside of your room, and it had a little table and two chairs there, and you could overlook the entire city of Rome, and it was just incredible. And then they had a restaurant down there, and we were like, we got to eat at the restaurant tonight. And so we ate there uh, that night, and man, the food, I don't, uh, it's called cannelloni. All I know is it looks like two enchiladas, but it's Italian. And I'm just saying, Italian and Mexican are like my two favorite, and you can't go wrong getting them confused. And so I was in, and it was just phenomenal. I mean, it just melted. I mean, it was just incredible. It, but it, this was the kicker of all of it. The next day, we're down, we're down in the lobby, and we're sitting there, and we're waiting on our taxi to come because we wanted to go into the city and look at some of these different places. And we're sitting there, and I look up, and there's this picture on the wall of our chef and his crew from the night before. They, they, made, our, they made our meals for everybody that was there. I remember watching the guy walking around. And so there was this picture and they were holding up, they were holding up these cartoon characters and then they were holding up the, the pitch, the portraits of the, of the husband and wife that actually started the, the restaurant. And what it was, was it was an article about how that, that Disney, when they made the movie Lady and the Tramp, they based the characters that ran the Italian restaurant in the movie, they based it off the mom and the dad that started the restaurant in the hotel, and we, we ate there the night before, and I was sitting there, and I went, you got to be kidding me. What I'm trying to say to you is this, is that, man, we just thought it was like a little hotel and a mom-and-pop restaurant, but, well, listen, there, there was far more to it beneath its surface. And if I could say it like this, what I'm trying to get across to you this morning is this. The same could be said about the Christian life. There's much more below the surface than just being saved. 
And please don't, please don't misunderstand this. It is important that you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. But there is more to the Christian life than just being saved. And listen, you need to grab a hold of this this morning. And I realize there are people here that have health issues and things like this that limit them on, on certain things. But you need to understand there's more to the Christian life than just coming to church on Sunday morning and going through the motions of things and punching a time clock and then just keeping up with some spiritual facade. Listen, there, there's coming back on Sunday night and there's coming back on Wednesday night and there's learning what you believe and why you believe it in spiritual growth and beginning to learn how to walk with God in His Word and praying and spending time with Him and serving others and ministering to others and getting involved in seeing people saved. And so, so much more. Man, I, I don't have the time to tell you or even to illustrate to you the goodness and the grace of God that, that comes with, with, with being a disciple of Jesus Christ and wholly following Him in our lives. But what I'm saying to you is this, is that this is how, how, you, get, how you get involved and how you get plugged in and how you begin to grow spiritually and how you learn what you believe and why you believe it and how you begin to have influence in winning people to Jesus Christ. How do I do that? Here's how. You become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that's, a, that, that's ultimately, that's what, that's what Jesus is calling Peter to. And as you begin to see, as you study throughout the Scriptures, it's not just Peter, it's Andrew, his brother, and James and, and John, those men that, that fished with, with, with him. There, there's something you've got to understand here. As Jesus walks into the home of, of Peter in the beginning of our text, most people don't realize this. This is not the first time they cross paths. He, they already knew one, one another. In fact, hold your place there in the Gospel of Luke and go with me to the Gospel of John and, and chapter number 1. Let me show you this here. John, John chapter 1. I think this is amazing here, but, but you got to catch this. And, and, and again, hold your place there because we got to do some flipping back and forth here. you got to see all of this. And I want to take the time here to show you all of these things. Look at verse number 35. In John, in John chapter 1 and verse 35, it says, And again the next day after John stood, talking about John the Baptist, and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. So this is, this is, this is after Jesus has already been baptized uh, by John the Baptist. This is the second time that, that Christ is passing by. John's pointing him out again. Behold the Lamb of God. But, but notice what happens here. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. So, so again, in verse 35, it tells us that there were two disciples standing there with John the Baptist, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God. And those two disciples go, Oh, that's Jesus, that's the Messiah. Let's follow after him. Now watch, keep reading. So in verse 38, Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, what seek ye? Then said, then said uh, they said unto him, Rabbi, that which is being, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. And they came and saw it where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him, okay, so here's one of them, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. 
Catching this? So one of those disciples that were there and heard John the Baptist speak, and they followed Jesus, it was Andrew. So he's identifying him. Look at verse 41. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he, Andrew, brought him, Simon, to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonas. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Now, that's so cool, isn't it? That he walks up to Jesus. I mean, this is the way out. And he reaches out to shake his head. And he doesn't even have to say his name. Jesus knew his name. Because Jesus knew who he was. And in fact, Jesus not only knew his name, but he gave him a nickname. He, he says this, that, that Peter's name was Simon. But he says, you're, you're going to be called Cephas, which, which is uh, Peter, but it literally means a stone as in a small rock, Jesus being the rock. All right? But, but you got to understand, again, this is, so, so this is the first time that they are being introduced here, but we know this, that Peter had already been saved. He had already been baptized under John the Baptist's ministry, as were all the disciples. All right? But, 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 the, but the idea is this, is that Andrew was actually a disciple of John the Baptist, and when he saw John point Jesus out, he went and followed him, and then he went and got his brother Simon and brought him to Jesus and introduced him. Now, now this is also interesting. Go back with me to the Gospel of Luke here, and you can leave that, that section there in John. This, this is interesting. Do you remember where we just read where Jesus gave him his nickname, Simon Peter? Si Simon uh, Cephas or Simon Peter? It's interesting. If you look at, look at Luke chapter number 5, if you look at this whole scene, everything that we just read, it's Simon, 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 until verse number 8, when he finally gets broken before Jesus, and it says, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. Now, you understand, because he's finally going to live up to his nickname. And, and surrendering to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Anybody? Oh man, I'm telling you. Listen, in Luke chapter 4, all right, when you go back, as the Lord walks into the house of Simon, they, they already knew one another. According to John's gospel, they already knew one another. Simon, again, Simon had already been saved and even baptized, but here's the thing. He had not become the living sacrifice or, or the disciple that Jesus Christ wanted him to be. Even in verse number 5, when Jesus tells him to go take his net out, he calls him master. you got to understand, that's tongue-in-cheek, friend. He didn't really mean it. it wasn't, he wasn't his master. Not until after verse number 8. And he says, depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. Listen, now, now we're getting somewhere. I'm, I'm telling you. Listen, but here's, here's the thing. Now think about this. So Peter, Peter's been saved, he's been baptized, but he's not a disciple. I, I would say to you this, that, that kind of shows us a couple of things, doesn't it? Even about our life uh, today. Here, here's one of the things I thought about was this. You, you cannot be a disciple without first being saved. 
You can get baptized and you can be in church in every service and you can serve in some capacity, but please listen to this. That's not going to earn your way to heaven. We don't do these things to earn our way to heaven. We do these things because we're already on our way to heaven. Because we've been saved by grace through faith. Salvation is not by works. It is by faith in Jesus Christ. Who He is and what He did for us on the cross. His death, His burial, His resurrection. It's faith in Him and Him alone that saves a man. Listen, there's no scales in heaven. All right, that, that are going to weigh our bad against our good and determine whether we're going to be allowed to enter in through the pearly gates, as we say. There, there's none of those things because the reality is this all of it's bad, only God is good. And unless we've received the righteousness of Christ by faith, we, we cannot, we're, we're not safe, and we're not going to be entered into heaven. If you look at this, if you look at the contrast, all right. If you look at the contrast between the, 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 de- the demon the, the, the demon possessed man and, and, and Peter's mother-in-law being healed, I'm telling you, it, just, it, it shows us the truth of these things. The, the, the demon possessed man, that, that, is the, that is the epitome of what we would say, the epitome or the, 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 the ultimate example of evil and wickedness. But yet, by the way, the power of Jesus Christ and His Word has the power to overcome it. Amen. But when you look at the healing of Peter's mother-in-law, that too is an example of salvation. But it's really the example of somebody that we would say is maybe a good person, but the truth of the matter is even good people still need to be saved. Amen. You look at, listen, you go to Luke chapter 5, and I don't have time this morning, but you can go to Luke chapter 5 where Jesus is going to heal a man with the palsy and the Pharisees are going to be there to criticize him, but he's going to let them know, listen, I I have power to forgive sins, and to show you that I have that power, he tells the man to rise up and and walk. So, So you understand, please listen to this, that every time Jesus healed someone physically, it was an illustration or a picture of what he can do to every person spiritually. Even with Peter's mother in law. When he looks at her and he rebukes the fever and she gets up and immediately starts serving the people. Listen, how many of us have ever had the fever break and we immediately jumped up and went back to work? Not me. Takes me about two more days to recover. And the older you get, the longer it takes. (laughs) I got a few more bowls of chicken noodle soup to eat. I'll be there. All right, anyway. You understand what I'm saying? But here's the thing, when Jesus does it, please listen to this, He does it immediately and He does it throughly. He cleanses it all. I mean, He does, listen, she immediately, I mean, man, she's there with a fever, they're panicking, she's going to die. Jesus rebukes the fever, she gets up and goes, what do y'all want to eat? Because that's what grandmas do. I lost half of you right there. All right, let's have a word of prayer and be dismissed for a word. The truth of the matter is, you may be here this morning and saying this, listen, I'm not evil like the, devil, like the, like the demon-possessed man. Listen, I, I'm, a, I'm a good person. Well, here's the thing. The problem is this, your standard is man and not God. You might be good in the eyes of man and when contrasted or compared with man, but when you compare yourself with God, God says this, all have sinned and come short of His glory. 
And the only way, listen, the only way to, 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 to be saved is to come to Jesus Christ as your Savior, friend. That Listen, because we're all sinful. Doesn't matter how good we are in the standard of men. Listen, we're all sinful before God. And so therefore, we, might, we all need, need to be saved. And you cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ until you first receive Christ as your Savior. But here's what my friend Dave Hardy said. And I wrote this down in one of my... One of my older Bibles years ago, he said this. He said, you cannot be a disciple without being saved, but you can be saved and not be a disciple. It's interesting, you look at verse number 40. Look look at verse number 40 there after after the healing of the mother-in-law. It says, now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with divers diseases brought them unto him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And the devils came out, many crying out, saying, Thou art the Christ, the the Son of God. And he rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. And notice this in verse 42. And when it was day, so he's doing this all night long. And so when it was day, he departed and went unto Arizona, a desert place. Anyway, it's all right. And he, but here's the thing, he went there to rest. And then notice this, and the people sought him and came unto him and stayed him that he should not depart from them. Now, now this is what I want you to catch. Watch this. Watch this right here. When you look at that on its surface and you compare that to where he left in Nazareth and their attitude towards him, I would say to you, man, that's precious. They're like, we saw what you did. Can you stay? But when you look at it in light of what Jesus says in verse 43, when He said, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. What I would say to you is this, it's actually selfish. Because the truth is, what they were saying is this, we just want you to stay here. So we can keep watching this over and over and over, can you, can you entertain us? Whoa. That, that's the crowd. You know what I would say to you today is this. Please listen to this. You need to be real careful about the influence of the crowds today that have the same attitude. That Jesus is nothing but a sideshow for them and an entertainment for them. And yet they claim to be disciples while doing their very own things and they're really not following Him. I read this in a comic strip one time. It's, com- it's pretty funny actually. I mean, it, it's kind of sad, but it shows where we're at today. Two guys are talking and one guy says, I know I live a life that most quote-unquote church people would call sinful and no, I don't, I don't go to church or anything like that. But man, I, I sure love the Lord. I, I sure love Jesus And that's all that really matters. And the Christian guy responds and says, yes, loving Jesus, that is what matters. But but how do you know you love Jesus? Like, do you just assume that that saying it makes it true? And the guy responds. He gets kind of frustrated. And he says, what kind of question is that? I love Jesus because I know I love Jesus. And the Christian guy then says, well, let me ask you this. Do you read the Bible and do what it says? 
And the guy responds, no, I told you, I'm, I'm not some Bible thumper. I don't, I don't go to church. I'm not, I'm not some religious guy. And then the Christian then says, well, let me share something with you. A great man of God once said about loving Jesus. He said, if you love Jesus, you'll obey His commandments. You'll do what He says. You'll follow Him. You'll be His disciple. And anyone who does not do what Jesus says really doesn't love Him. And the guy gets really angry and says, whoever said that seems to be very confused about the grace of God and is in no position to tell other people whether or not they really love Jesus. And the Christian guy says, it was Jesus that said that. If you love me, keep my commandments. You see, that's the crowds of our day. And that's exactly why so many today may have a testimony of salvation, but yet they're not enjoying the abundant life. You can look at their countenance in church until they're not. My pastor used to say this, looks like they're drinking dill pickle juice and eating saltine crackers. Excuse me, but I, I know something about the grace of God and the peace that passes all understanding and the joy of the Lord that fills our souls. Somebody say amen this morning. Come on, friend, I'm just telling you that there's this abundant life that you and I can take part of today. So why is it that most people aren't enjoying this? And here's why. Because we really hadn't surrendered to actually being a full disciple of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly where Peter is in his life. This is what I love about the Bible is that people in the Bible are real just like you and me. And this is amazing. So what is it, preacher? I mean, what brought Peter to this place that he would that he would follow Jesus Christ and he would become a, a, a fisher of men. Well, let me give you some things here that, that, that I noticed here in, in the life of Peter. And this is what I would say to you. The first thing that, that I would say to you is this, is that, i got to get a drink of water. You have to understand. You have to come to an understanding that the power of him and his word can meet your personal needs. Please listen to this. Not somebody else's personal needs. Your personal needs. Because it's real easy for you and me to go, yep, he can do that for him. But when it comes to where the rubber meets the road with me and you personally, that's where we struggle. But you understand, listen, listen. In both scenes, Peter's home, and what I would say to you is this, Peter's workplace, Jesus shows that. The health of his mother-in-law and the responsibility uh, uh, that Peter had for providing for his home. Listen, those were the things that hindered him from surrendering his life and following Jesus. But Jesus is going to show him, I can take care of both of them. <laughs> Look at verse 38. Come on, you've got to watch this closely. I mean, what a picture this is that he can meet our spiritual needs. Look at verse number 38. And he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever. Now watch the end of this. Look at the end of this verse. And they besought him 
for her. Okay, preacher, what does that mean? That means this, that Peter and his wife, they prayed. They begged. That's what it means, besought. They asked, can you heal her? Can you do the same thing that we just saw you do in the synagogue? Come on, friend. Play. Hey, listen, come on. You understand, they were burdened. Come on, this was something heavy on them. Don't worry, I'm not going to jump across. I'm just, I'm just telling you, man, we got to wake up this morning. Man, we got beautiful weather outside. It's going to be 77 degrees tomorrow in February, Kansas City. That ought to be enough to stir your soul right there. But here's the other thing that ought to help you. Jesus can meet your spiritual needs. Here they are, they're burdened. Man, this is a heavy thing for them. And they, Jesus comes, oh, here's something else to point out. Nowhere is it recorded that they were, you know, hey, Jesus, can you come to our house? He just comes in. You know why? Because he knew. <laughs> just like he knows where you're at. Just like he knows where I'm at. In the same way he can meet their need and lift their burdens, he can lift my burden and your burden. And I'm telling you, listen, you, you come in this, well, preacher, you just don't understand. I'm battling this discouragement. Guess what? He's already there. He's already there. Well, preacher, you don't understand this guilt that I've got. Yep, he's already there. Well, preacher, you don't understand this fear, these struggles, these burdens, these battles, these things that I've got in my life. Good news, he's already there. He doesn't need an invitation from you. He doesn't need to let you, you to let him know. He already knows and he's already there. He's just waiting on you to get to Him and fall before His knees and ask Him to help and He'll help. He can meet your spiritual needs. I'm telling you, man, I, listen, I'm so, thank, I'm so grateful that I learned this in my, in my early ministry when I was pastoring there at Bible Baptist Church in Cassville. And man, there would be times where I would just, I would experience discouragement or, or some kind of spiritual battle or, or struggle. And I can remember early on, I can remember early on just carrying that stuff and carrying that stuff and carrying that stuff. And then finally, I would just get to the place where I was just so overwhelmed that I would go into the prayer closet and I would just spend an hour or so in there and man, just pouring it out to God. And I would get up off the floor out of my prayer closet and it was like this load was just lifted off. And I'd be sitting there at the sink and washing my face and wiping my tears away. And I'd look in the mirror and go, why, don't you, why didn't you do that from the beginning? And over a period of time, you know what I did? I learned. Instead of just holding it and holding it and holding it and it getting heavier and heavier and heavier, anytime you sense it, go to Christ in prayer. Go to God in prayer. Because my friend, He can help your needs. It's exactly what he read in the temple and in, in the synagogue in Nazareth. This is why he came to set the captives free, to, to cause the blind to see, to heal us, friend, our spiritual needs. He can lift our burdens. You're here this morning and holding on to a bunch of sin. My friend, Jesus can set you free. He can heal you. He can help you. But you've got to come to him. Well, I lost my microphone like I needed one. Look at verse 4 of the next chapter. It 
And when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a draft. Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and, and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at that word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, and they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And you can read on down, men, their boats begin to, shrink, begin to sink. Just, just as we struggle trying to carry spiritual things in our own power, the truth of the matter is Simon was struggling trying to carry physical things in his own power too. The guy fished all night and didn't catch nothing. It sounds like I went fishing with him. But while I might do it for recreation, this guy's this is his livelihood. And the guy's stressed out, and back in the morning he's exhausted and ready for bed. And then in verse number 4, Jesus tells him to launch out and drop his net again. And I love the response of Peter. They hadn't called anything, but nevertheless, at thy word. And Peter begins to learn that the same power of the word in the synagogue that cast the demon out, and the same power of the word that healed his mother-in-law is the same power that can help in the physical need that he had in his life. In the fish, you're just going to... Man, I would love it if that happened on my fishing trips. Just, just swim in the boat. You guys got to learn to laugh, man. I'm, some of y'all didn't have enough coffee this morning, and you're looking at me like you had way too much coffee. Well, maybe I did, but that's none of your business. Listen to me. Without Jesus, you're going to struggle. And you can, you can scheme and you can manipulate all you want to, but I'm telling you, listen to me, it's not going to work out like you think it will. But with Jesus, <laughs> you'll find that He does exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Is that preacher even physical? Yeah. But you know, every time, listen, every time, my wife and I have done something and we didn't pray about it or we didn't seek the Lord about it and we just did it of our own accord. It has never worked out good. I'll never forget when we were living in Springfield, Missouri, we bought a Chrysler Sebring. You know this is going down the hill right now. You know we didn't pray about it because we bought a Chrysler. That's almost about as buying a Ford. Son. Well, now we're awake. Welcome to Bible or Faith Baptist Church. Amen. In our services this morning, you got to bring up Coke and Pepsi or Ford and Chevy to make everybody get wound up this morning. We bought a Chrysler. Didn't pray about it. Nothing. We just you, this. We need to make some change. We're going to do this and do this. We went and bought a Chrysler Sebring. The transmission and the engine. The transmission went out and the engine blew up at the same time. How? How does that even happen? Because you can't go anywhere to blow the engine up. Well, that happens when you don't. And we had to, we, we ended up having to get in a Ford. <laughs> we ended up having to eat, eat, eat that vehicle. Get, well, li listen. But when you wait on God, you get a Jeep.
You know, Jesus is going to spend, and most people don't even realize this, Jesus is going to spend much time in his earthly ministry warning both the people and his disciples of pursuing temporal things. He's going to say things like this, What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You know, the answer to that is this, nothing. And the Christian that makes this the center of their life, temporal things, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle. But then he goes on to say this, but if we seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things shall be added unto you. And what I'm saying to you is this, is that Peter, if he's going to be a disciple, he's got to learn. When I have spiritual burdens, I need to go to him. And when I have physical needs in my life, I need to go to Him. Because what He's finding out is this, is that Jesus can meet both of them in in ways that He could have never imagined. But here's the second thing. So He had to learn that the power of Jesus and His Word can meet the needs of His personal life. But here's the second thing. Listen to this. You have to understand this, that because of His compassion... You can follow Him no matter where you are right now. What do, you, what, do you mean? what do you mean, preacher? We'll look down at verse number 8. It says, when Simon Peter saw it. So, so he's looking at all these fish. Boats are sinking. They're getting the fish together. He's up on the shore. And, and, and it says this, that he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Please listen to this. He's not getting saved. He's already been saved. He's getting right. Well, why? Because he hasn't been following Jesus. He's been one of the crowd. And in verse number 9, For he was astonished. And all they that were with him at the draft of the fishes which, were, which, which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, look at what he said. Fear not. It's okay. I forgive you. I love you. Now get up and follow me because I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Preacher, you don't understand. You don't understand the stuff's in my life and I can't, listen, I can't. Good news, join the club. I'm, I'm so glad. God's not just a God of second chances. I think I'm on like my 4,352nd chance. Amen. I, telling you, you have no idea of the mercy of God and the goodness of God. And here's Peter, and he's been trying to do it on his own and trying to do it on his own and trying to do it on his own. And he's struggling and he's frustrated. And in two instances with Jesus Christ and every need is met in his life, and all he can do is fall down and go, I'm so sorry. 
can I please follow you? And Jesus immediately, fear not. Come on. You've got to understand this. Because you can be here this morning and go, man, preacher, I've just been one of the crowd and I've just been punching the time clock and I'm not where I need to be. But you can be. You can be. Let me give you the third thing. You didn't think this was going to go that fast, did you? I know. I love this. Let, let, me, let me read this to you really quickly. Discipleship isn't about being perfect. It's about failing. But knowing that He's compassionate and then humbling ourselves and repenting and getting right with Him so that we can be used of Him in a greater way. Amen. That is so good. Yeah. Let me give you the third thing though. Here's the third thing. So you have to know, you have to understand His compassion because you can follow Him no matter where you're at right now. But here's the third thing and I want you to listen to this. You have to be willing to have faith and forsake all. Look at verse 11. And when they had brought their ships to the land, they grabbed their fishing poles and followed Him. That's... Nope. They left every bit of it. Talk is cheap in discipleship. You must have faith. And they forsake all and follow Him, trusting that He will continue to provide for them and their families as they serve Him. And by the way, He'll never fail Him. He'll never fail them. And I've heard preachers say this. I've heard preachers say this about, about God's people. I can't understand why we have enough faith to believe that Jesus can save our soul and give us eternal life, but we don't have enough faith to follow Him in this life. But you know the truth of the matter is, and, I, and I've been guilty of that too, but here's the truth. All of us are guilty of it. All of us are guilty of that. Because being a disciple, listen, it, it does take faith to save us, but it also takes faith to be His disciple. Because being His disciple, please listen to this, it does require us to forsake all. And then follow Him. And, and that forsaking of all, that may require big changes. And I know this, we are, a, we are huge fans of change. And some of you can't even sit in a different pew. Or park in a different parking spot. Listen, here, here's the thing. Listen, you can hear all the testimonies and even read the biblical accounts like this. But you're going to have to decide for yourself. Am I going to get out of my comfort zone and trust God or not? Because we all got our routines. We all got our ruts. We all got our comfort zones. Whatever you want to call it. And you can sit here this morning and go, nah, you know what, I'm good. I'm going to stay in the crowd. But oh my, what a life you're going to miss living. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? If Peter walked away from that and said, I'm good. Everything he would have missed. The miracles. No, no. I mean, just the feeding of the 5,000. How awesome is that? There you go. There you go. 
Here you go. I mean, just being there on the boat and panicking, and Jesus gets up and says, Peace be still. I never seen that before. And listen, and to top it all off, sitting there in a room after the crucifixion, and all of a sudden Jesus walks in the midst of them. Where did you come? And it just gets even gooder in Acts. Because then, G then Peter preaches. And 3,000 people get saved. He's in there in prison and an angel wakes him up and says, Hey man, come on. How are you even sleeping in here? Grace of God, well get up man, let's go. Goes and knocks on the door. And what was her name, Rhoda I think or something? All I can think of, she was a blonde. <laughs> she didn't open the door, she just went in. You guys ain't going to believe this. Open the door, woman. Just kidding, all right. But the things, listen, the things that Peter missed, would have missed. Had he not just humbled himself. Man, I'm telling you, I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss seeing somebody get saved. I don't want to miss watching a kid trust Christ as their Savior. I don't want to miss God, what God can do in a family. Because I'm just part of the crowd. You know, I used, to, I used to think in my life, there were a lot of times where I thought the ball's in God's court. He's got to do something. He's got to do something. But you know, the, more, the longer that I've lived, the more I've realized in so many of those instances, it's not in His court. It's in mine. And the same's true in discipleship. We're all sitting around waiting for God to give us some magical moment where we decide to go and, and serve the Lord. Well, listen, maybe what we just need to do is get to where Peter was at in verse 8 and humble ourselves and go, man, I'm wicked. And I'm sorry. And I'm all in. And watch what God can do. You want to stay in the crowd, that's your business. But I don't want to be in the crowd. I want to follow Him. Let's all stand.